Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into this message today. I, I've entitled it Imagine More Faith in Seasons of Less. Imagine more faith in seasons of less. Would you pray? With me, Father, we thank you, God, for your presence in this place. God, I thank you for our worship team. Thank you for all of our teams. God, I just thank you for what you're building here. We get to be a part of this. I know it's special. It's real. God, continue to do a deep work in our hearts, Lord. You've called us to make disciples. We're not trying to entertain. We're not trying to be hype. No, this is real. We love you. And I just pray that through your word, we'll continue to worship you. Lord, that our life would be a continual strum of the guitar, a continual key that's played, Lord, just a, a sweet aroma to you, God, that our life would be worship. And so God, change us in a way. Help us to receive all that you have for us today. Let us not be the same. In your precious name, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, amen, and amen. Well, uh, I, I want to just look real quickly at um, Ephesians 3, verse 20. It's a famous passage of scripture in regards to more. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. You know, in our marriage, Jackie and I, we've realized that sometimes less is more. Like, like we say things in our marriage now, like, hey, we'd rather give less gifts and create more memories. So like less gifts and do more experiences, right? So let's spend our money not just on like gifts for one another, but let's, let's like go do something. Let's, let's build memories. Let's continue to grow in our friendship and keep the sense of adventure alive. And, uh, but don't get it twisted. I bought her a gift. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not about gifts, but I bought her one. But, but sometimes, sometimes less is more. Like when you're watching the NBA finals, and it's like 52, 54, and you had, there's four minutes left. You have no idea what's going to happen. And you're just looking at the TV. Some of you are yelling at the TV. Some of you guys are yelling at the referees. There's just so much tension and tense, and you're just like, Ooh, like what is going to happen? I don't know. See, the worst thing you can do on a Sunday is let Pastor James know who won the game. <laughs> James, Pastor James does not want to hear that because he wants to go home and he wants to watch the recorded version as if he's watching it for the first time, as if it's happening in real time, because there's just something about knowing less that creates an atmosphere of more. In fact, if, if you've seen the movie Jaws, you remember the, the whole time you're waiting to see the shark and you just see the fin for like the whole movie. And then you'll see like water shuffle and red will go everywhere. But finally... At the end, you have this moment. He pops up, and then he's gone. That's all the mechanics had, right? He's just up, and then he's down, and that's it. But, but there's this anticipation of, like, the whole movie. I just want to see the shark. Show me the shark. Is it going to be this time? Is it going to be this moment? Is it going to be? And less creates an atmosphere more. You guys remember Lost? Yeah. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, yay. That was like a little fade. <laughs> hey, we... Jackie and I, we binged on, on this one. Before we had kids, she got her wisdom teeth pulled, so she had to be in bed like for a day and a half. And uh, so that's what we did. We just, we, we, we tapped in. I'm really not a TV guy. We logged on the computer and we watched Lost. And next thing you know, it was like, oh my goodness, season one, boom, season two, 
season three, I was like, man, they're just making stuff up now. They're just making, like, it, it hit, and now they're just making stuff up. But we were so intrigued. And, and, and it just keeps you, there's a cliffhanger on every single episode, and you're just wondering what's going to happen next. So we get this idea that sometimes, sometimes less is more. Less time on Instagram means more time with the family. Less stress means more peace. But I think our struggle sometimes is when we want both things. Like we normally don't want less and more. Normally we want more and more. Like we, we want time, but then we want to grow in our career. Does that make sense? Like we want the world, but we also want God. Like, like there, there's just these things where we want both. We want energy, but we want to stay up late. So we, we want more and more. And then we soon realize that something has to give. That every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. And sometimes we have to say less to what we want in the moment for more of what's more important in the long run. It's just true. So I would propose a simple idea today is that sometimes God uses less to accomplish more. And this is really huge because if you don't understand this, if I don't understand this, it's going to be really tough. In fact, this may explain why you've been disappointed for years. This may explain why you've been disappointed for decades, maybe for some of you months, maybe some of you days. Because right now as you look at your life, you don't see the more that you want. You just don't see it. There's less of what you hoped for. There's less of what you dreamed there's less of how you thought it would turn out. There's less comfort. Maybe there's fewer friendships. Maybe you're single and you're like, man, it's looking more and more like less opportunity. Like, come on, guys. Like, I have ladies that are like, where's the godly men? I'm like, they're here. They're here. But it's so easy in those moments, in those moments of less, we can shout this passage to him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. Can I get an amen? amen. But I tell you what, it preaches really good. But I wasn't yelling immeasurably more when my rent went up a thousand bucks last, last year. I wasn't like immeasurably more. Many of you guys uh, may not know this. Some of you guys do, but I have a, a calcified stone in my saliva duct. So if you see like a little bump on my face, it's kind of gross, but it's fluid. So your mouth like drains normally. I have a plumbing problem in my saliva duct. And I had surgery last year and it didn't work. So they told me, hey, we're going to have to cut your cheek open, put a stent inside of your duct and all this stuff. I'm just telling you, I wasn't like immeasurably more abundantly, exceedingly, when I jumped on 580 and it was packed on a Saturday, I was not shouting immeasurably, immeasurably more. I was looking at my oldest daughter and she's changing, like she's growing up. And I was like, stay young. I'm not yelling immeasurably more. And so sometimes it doesn't look like immeasurably more. Sometimes it, it looks like immeasurably less, less money, Less comfort, less time. I, I mean, some of us, we're getting more of what we don't want. Like you got that one call and it was more than you could handle. Right? You made that one decision and it impacted way more than you could have ever expected. 
right? You compromised in that one area, and it did exceedingly more. Than... Sometimes you just got to own it. You just got to own it. Incredibly more. And so, 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 so what I'm saying is this, is some of you guys got a bill and you weren't screaming like a measurably more. No, it, it was a measurably more debt than you ever thought you would be in. Some of you guys got that doctor report and it was immeasurably more than you ever thought would happen. But it's more of what you don't want. It's more anxiety. It's more fear. It's more sad tiredness and disappointment, sadness. And so that's why it's so important we understand the context of the Bible. Because last week we were talking about, man, faith demands a surrender to God's perspective. But my question is this, is how can we surrender to a God of immeasurably more while we're experiencing a season of immeasurably less? And you have to understand what Paul is talking about. Anytime you want to understand the context of a passage, you have to go behind it and you have to go in front of it to see what is the Lord saying here? And so Ephesians 3.20, just a, a verse over, we, we go into chapter 4, and it's going to put things in like a little bit better perspective. So Paul is like, to the one who can do immeasurably more beyond what we can ask, some translations say, think or even imagine. And you're like, do it, Lord. Do it. But Paul is writing from this place. As a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So let, let me get this twisted. Let me get this right, Paul, so I don't get it twisted. You just talked about immeasurably more while you're experiencing immeasurably yes, less. So as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, look, at, look, look what he says, I urge man, I encourage you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. See, Paul's more in this context looks a lot like a prison cell. Paul's more is looking a lot less. He's seeing less freedom. He's seeing less fruit of his ministry. Like imagine Paul. Paul had dreams to preach in Rome, and now he's in a prison in Rome. Everybody else is out living their dream, and he is in prison for the gospel. Like, man, Lord, they're enjoying all the fruit, and I'm locked behind this door. Like, what's... He's not seeing fruit of his ministry He's experiencing less comfort, less financial gain, less visitors. Less, Paul was so pumped when people came to see him. It's like, oh, you refreshed my soul. Thank you for coming to see me. Because not too many people come to see you when you're in prison. And in the midst of the persecution, in the midst of prison, Paul says, oh, to him, who was able to do immeasurably more then you could ask, think, or imagine, how was he able to do that? Well, you have to finish the passage. It says that he's able to do immeasurably more than we could ask, think, or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Not according to his power that is working outside of us, but his power that is at work within us. Now, a lot of times we just don't jump to the within part. We want immeasurably more on the outside. But Paul's like, no, no, you like, just lean in for a minute. It, there, there's something more than that. So last week I was looking for my keys everywhere. Anybody need one of those little like iPhone gadgets? I, I need to put one on my keys, on my kids. I need to put one everywhere. My dogs. And, and I was running around the house and, you know, I was in dad mode. Where's my keys? 
Where would you put my key? Anybody see Jack? Where's the keys? Jack, Jack. She's like, I didn't drive the car. Just one of those, like, we have those moments, just so you know, where we blame each other and it's not real. And it's like, oh, no, I actually drove the car last. And so, so I was looking everywhere, and finally my oldest daughter was like, what are you looking for, Dad? I said, I'm looking for my keys. She's like, uh, they're in your hand. It was probably, like, no joke, I probably looked for about five minutes. It felt like 10 minutes. But then she says, they're in your hand. I was like, what? Oh, oh my bad, my bad. But I, I think, man, we're, we so look to the outside for more. Some of us right now, we're, we're looking for the more in our career. We're looking for more in the relationship. We're, we're looking for the more on the news. Some of you guys are just begging, like, please let it be good today. I just need some good news. Some of you guys are, are looking for the more in politics. It's just like, man, if we could just get this move, could just, wait, what's going to be more? Some of us have been looking for our more and just stuff and pleasure and circumstances working out for us. Some of us are just, just please, just let it, just let it work. Just one time, just let it work. Some of us have been looking for more in fitness. We've been looking for more in status. And some of us have even been looking for more in ministry. It's just like, oh, man, if I, could, if I could just get here, if I could just get there, if I could just. And so, so Paul is like, listen, you're more that you're looking for ultimately is not found outside. It's found within. Paul's like, it's about more character. It's about more purity. It's about more contentment. It's about more courage. It's about more perspective. It's about more godliness. It's about more holiness. It's about more repentance. Like Paul's like, this is where the more lies. I remember I was, I was talking to a pastor. It was like 2017. I went to Israel. And I just felt like our, you know, just didn't feel like every pastor has those moments. Like, am I the guy? I just don't know if I'm the guy. I feel like maybe we should be further than we are. Just are we, are we pastoring people well? And, and, and uh, Pastor Pierre, he's an older gentleman. Not old, but he's older. So if you're listening, I didn't mean older. Just older, but not old. And, and he's from South Africa, so he's like, you know, Matt, he said, these young pastors, he said, they, they love the fruitfulness of the harvest. Everybody just wants the harvest. It's like, that's what we're supposed to want, right? I'm like, yeah, me too. Me too. He's like, but we need to, if we want the harvest, we need to be faithful to the soil. Because when you reap the harvest, you have to get them planted into a church. And he's like, man, we just, we love the fruit of the harvest, but not the faithfulness and the soil. We just don't see that like we should. And I think when, when things are not, when we're experiencing immeasurably less, we're not, we don't have the tendency to see immeasurably more. That God is really doing something on the inside of us. Philip Yancey tells a story of Ferdinand Magellan, which was like the first European sailor to sail the, I think it's called the Tiara del Fuego is what they called it. And, and he, he said that as they were rounding the tip of Argentina, the, the, the crew saw Indians and natives on the land with fires burning, tons of fires burning. But what was interesting, they paid the ships no attention. And so later they found out through interpretation, they, they as they connected with the natives there, they found out that they weren't paying them any attention because they thought they were an apparition because they had no context for a ship. Like they, they had no context for a boat. They had never seen one. 
So they, it was like, we look at a boat, we're like, it's a boat. They were looking like, it's not real. Because they, they just had no context. A lot of times we think about God working immeasurably more when we're experiencing immeasurably less. We're like, no way. Because in our culture, we just have a context of if, if it's working, it means more. And so he tells a, a, another story about uh, Elizabeth Elliot and Jim Elliot. They were, um, uh, Jim Elliot was martyred by the, the Aka Indians. There's a, a great movie, I think, on it called The End of the Spear. And I need to start getting some stock in these movies. I'm, I'm like throwing out movies every week. Some of you guys watched 13 Lives last week. It was great, wasn't it? Some of you guys just Googled how they survived. You didn't even experience it yourself. Missed the whole message. <clears throat> so Elizabeth Elliot ends up continuing the ministry after her husband is martyred. The whole village gets saved. Chief gets saved. God, you know, it's in a remote part of the earth. And, and she takes one of the young women to New York City. Her name was Dayuma. And she said, you could imagine coming from having no context of anything like New York City. She said, I'm trying to explain to her the fire hydrants, the sidewalks, the lights, the traffic lights. She took her up onto the Empire State Building, so you could just imagine. And she's trying to point out taxi cabs, and the lady's just silent the whole time. And so finally, there's this like big patch blotch of white on a wall. Probably somebody painted over graffiti. But it was like a big white blotch, and she stops in the middle of New York City, grabs her, and looks and says, what kind of bird did that? <laughs> it's like that's all she had context for. She couldn't see it. She couldn't see anything else. Just like, that's got to be a big bird. <laughs> and so I just think as, as, as God is, is moving, sometimes we have no context when we're experiencing less, that God is still able to accomplish more. In fact, we often look for God's power in what's happening to us. This is where we look. How's it working out? How's it looking? You're right? And, and, and we sing songs like, God, I believe you're moving. Unless you're in a season of less, you're like, I believe you're moving, kind of. I believe you're working, I hope. Like, I don't really have a context to believe you're doing more while I'm experiencing less. It's just not our default. Like, when you're experiencing less in your life, when was the last time you're like, man, praise God, he's doing more. Whoa, God is doing something in me. It's just not our default. We're like, God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? What is going on? See, we got to finish. We got to finish the quote. See, it's not just about looking for. It's not about looking for God's power. What's happening to us? That's what we normally do. But we should be looking to see what Christ. If Christ is being formed in us, yeah. like when's the last time you were experiencing less and you're like, man, are you being formed in me, Jesus? Are you being formed on the inside of me? Not a lot of us on a regular basis are asking that question. Like just thinking you're like dire straits and you're like, man, what are you doing in me, God? Are you, am, are you being formed more in me? Right. I'm not sure, sure. But I believe you're doing more, immeasurably more on the inside of me. We just normally don't think like that. It's, it's, hard, to see God's, it's hard to see God's ways when we don't know what to look for. And so Paul is like, I want to help you in your less. Experience 
experience immeasurably more, but you have to know what you're looking for because the world is going to tell you more looks like this. And, and I heard it said like this, the world is becoming rich off of biblical principles and the church is becoming poor off of worldly principles. And so many of us inside the church are still looking on the outside. And just bear with me. Now, Paul is like, let me give you a fullness of meaning. So we saw that in chapter four, he's writing from prison. So we get a context there. He's not writing from a place of more, but outwardly from a place of less. And then in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, he says, listen to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Well, a couple of verses before he says that, it really confirms what Paul is talking about. It really confirms this reality. So Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness. And then he goes to the one who is able to do exceedingly immeasurably more than you can ask, think, or imagine according to the spirit's power at work within us. Do you see how the context is so important? It's all internal language. Paul is, is saying, man, it's, it's about an internal character, not an external reward, where this sense of fullness comes, where life is, is really found. And so to become more like Christ, sometimes we have to walk and be willing to walk through the door of less. And a lot of times we don't, want to open, we don't like to open that door. But this is, this is what I know. This is what I know. I know this. I know that our natural less makes room for God's supernatural more. Like, like, let me take you on a quick journey real quick. King David in the Bible. He was living immeasurably less, experiencing immeasurably less than his brothers. He would tend the sheep. He was out in the wilderness by himself. But God was doing immeasurably more. Because God knew what was in his future. So David, you know took out the lion and the bear, like with his hands. Imagine telling that story to your grandkids. Yeah, lion came, mm-hmm. grabbed that sheep, I snatched that boy with his hands. I mean, at best, maybe, you know, like you got a little staff. He has no rifle. This is a supernatural move. Like David taking out the lion and the bear was not like David was just like, yeah, got, got him. No, this was like, I got him because I've been spending time with God. God told me to snatch him up, and something supernatural happened in my less. I was experiencing more. And little did I know what God had in store, because there was this guy by the name of Goliath that God was going to have me face, and I needed to know that in myself, that my less is an opportunity for God's supernatural more. That's why David was like, I don't come to you with spirit javelin. Like, you really think I can fight you? I already learned my lesson. This is God that's going to take you down. That's not a story of David. It's a story about the faithfulness and the power of God. And so, so, so get, get this picture. So, so David is doing that, and then he gets anointed king. More on the outside. Bam! About to be king. All you brothers, you guys thought, but me? And then what does God do? Sends him into the desert. On the run from King Saul. Why? Because God was about to do immeasurably more. David's about to rule and reign over the whole kingdom. God's like, you got to at least, like, I'm, I'm going to give you some guys that are in debt, distress, and discontent. Let's see what you can do with them. 
Uh, you got some stuff, like there's some formation that needs to happen on the inside of you. So even though God didn't cause Saul to want to kill him, God worked it immeasurably more on David's behalf. Are you guys getting the issue? So the woman with the issue of blood, bleeding for 12 years, reaches through the crowd and touches Jesus. Now, God didn't cause her sickness, but God used her less to do immeasurably more than anybody told her was possible. And, and so, so what happened, it wasn't just the fact that she got healed that was amazing. It was, imagine what God was doing on the inside of this woman, that she pressed through all the men. She was defiling everybody she touched, according to the law. And she presses through, and she's the only one in the crowd that touched him in a way that power demanded power to be released from Jesus. So it's not, it's not just about what the fact that she got healed. It's, imagine what God was doing inside of her. That was a measure immeasurably more than God was doing in any of that crowd. But we just don't naturally go in that direction. We look at Gideon. Gideon didn't even think he was fit for what God was calling him to. Finally, he says, okay, God, after a series of questions, he's like, all right, I'm going to trust you. Builds an army of 32,000. God says it's too big. Cuts it down to 10,000. God says, yeah, they're still not going to believe it's me. We're going to cut it down to 300. And then Gideon is like 300 guys about to go fight the Midian army, which everybody's terrified of. And he says, hey, guys, follow my lead. I'm going to give you a horn, a pitcher, and and a torch. Going. And he says, just follow my lead. So what did they do? They went and they blew the horn. And it probably sounded like thousands. And then all of a sudden, take the the jar off the torch. And lit up the whole area. And everybody's like, there must be, there are probably thousands behind them. Behind every torch. And then God sends them into a frenzy. And they start to turn on one another. Gideon's less. Natural less made room for God's supernatural more. Jesus in his humanity, even though he was fully God, he was fully man. And it said that in Hebrews chapter five, verse eight, that he learned obedience through what he suffered, meaning he learned how, what it was like, even though he was utterly faithful and never sinned, he learned what it was like to be faithful in the midst of suffering. He learned that in his immeasurably less, that the father could do immeasurably more and the cross, and we can go on on that tangent. But, but Paul wasn't anti-more on the outside, and neither am I. It's, it's, it's not about that. Man, if you if you're, have, like, the perfect, greatest marriage, that's great. Like, like, if everything is flourishing for you on the outside, man, praise God to the glory of God. Use it for his kingdom and for his glory. That's awesome. So, so we're, we're not anti-more. Like, not everything is not just like, man, my, everything's falling apart on the outside, but God is doing something on the inside. It, it's, it's not that, but it is that. Like Paul says it this way. He says bodily training is of some value, meaning go to the gym. You should go. It's of some value. But then he says, but godliness, what does it do? It, it, it holds value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So what is Paul saying? Man, the outer man, it's great. You should go to the gym, man. Get fit. Do what you need to do. Get in healthy. Get in shape. But just remember that there's a greater more that, that will hold you in this life and in the life to come. Then this famous passage, Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, he says, I know what it's like to be in need, Paul said, and I know what it's like to have plenty. Like, Paul's like, I know what it's like to have more on the outside. Like, I know how it feels to have the wind going to your back. I mean, he was a part of a religious, prestigious group. Like, Paul knows what it was like to, to have 
all of the outer circumstances working well. But then he also knew what it was like to be in dire straits. But he said, this is what I've learned. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So a lot of times we take this out of context. We're like baseball, like, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Like, that's, that's not the case. Paul was saying, listen, whether I have a lot or I have nothing, there's still a fullness. Amen. While I'm experiencing measurably less, I still have immeasurably more. Paul says, I'm full either way. It's not about is one right or is one wrong. No, no, no. It's just make sure we put what's in priority, that your inner life is huge because your outer man is passing away. But your inner man can be renewed day by day. So I think the lie today that we all have to sort through in our culture is that the goal, the chief goal in life is is personal happiness. Like, get yours. If it feels good to you, like, you you should do that. Get it now. But not only is it a selfish way to live, the problem is is when you're not happy, the world says, let it go. Not happy in your marriage? Peace. Not happy in your friendships? Cancel them. If you're not happy on your job, quit. And somebody's just said, amen. I'm doing that today. You're not being fed by your church? Leave. You had to, like, get a different parking spot, leave your church. Well, it makes you happy. Go to one that will give you a VIP treatment. Right? And so that's, like, that's not coming from any wounds. Um, <laughs> right? So the world just says, bail. Just, just leave. Just go. Don't work through anything. Just bail on it. But Paul, I don't think Paul was very happy in prison. I don't think Paul was like, man, glory to God, these four walls. Hallelujah. This is amazing. I love where I'm at. Paul's not living in denial of reality. I think Paul wrestled. I think he struggled. I think he had to, but he just knew how to wrestle. He learned how to struggle in a way that was going to move him toward a place of faithfulness, even in spite of what's feeling like a lack of fruitfulness. And so what did Paul do? He had, he wasn't able to see the fruit of his ministry. I don't think that made him very happy. There was no social media, so he wasn't like looking on the gram like, hey, how are we doing? Cool. Like, looks like the church was good. Looked at the reel today. Looks like it's going great. He didn't have any of that. But he, but he was content. Wrestled with God, but he was faithful. In Paul's life, I just don't think it was marked by happiness. I mean, look at what the Lord said. When the Lord was calling him, he told Ananias, he said, listen, I'm going to show Paul how much he must suffer for my name. He's my chosen instrument. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So excited about that. Glad I'm your chosen instrument. I'm going to suffer for your name. That doesn't look like the Lord said, man, the chief goal is for you to be happy. No, no, no. Your chief goal is to be an instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the peoples of Israel. And I'm going to show you how much you must suffer in the process. But it's going to be full. I mean, look at Paul's trials. I mean, just look it. He worked harder than everybody else. He served like crazy. He was in prison more often. He was whipped, forced, you know, faced death. Again and again, five different times, he experienced lashes from the Jews. And lashes wasn't just like a little whip. They had bone fragments on the end, so they'd rip your skin off. They said that Paul was a very ugly dude because of all the beatings he took. Scarred up, just not like, you know. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned and not medicinal. He was really stoned. He was shipwrecked. Christian joke. 
I mean, I, I've said it a thousand times, but you have to say it because it's right there. He was adrift to sea, long journeys, danger in rivers, robbers. You get the point. Sleepless nights, without food, thirsty, hungry, shivering in the cold, no clothing. Plus, I have the burden of all the churches. So, so Paul's life looked a lot more like suffering, but that didn't stop him. He wasn't walking around like, woe is me. There was still a fullness because his goal was not external progress. His chief goal was not fleeting satisfaction. His life was not marked by an external reward. Even though he got to experience some of the fruit, he experienced so much suffering. But somebody needs to know what Paul is revealing to us today. Somebody needs to know that the presence of suffering does not mean the absence of success. Like, like Paul and all these things, he should be empty, but he's full. I mean, we get this in every other area. You know if you're going to the gym, you're going to suffer. And you're paying to suffer. $39, $49. I don't even know what it is. If you go to like one of the bougie ones, you're paying like 200 bucks to go and lift heavy things. But you just know if, you know, there's a vision, there's a goal. You know you're going to suffer. Ladies, childbirth. You suffer and you want to do it over again. It's like literally after Olivia came out, Jackie said, I want another one. I'm like, babe, it's been like one hour. And I just watched you scream for your life. But we just know we get this. But somehow spiritually when we suffer, we're like, we're just taken back. Because I just wonder sometimes if the chief goal isn't that we're formed into his image. I just, I think it reveals the chief goal of our life that sometimes we'd rather put all of our eggs in this bag. We'll suffer here, but when it comes for God to do something in us, we don't want to suffer for that. And that's what we really need. The success of the world was the world said. The world says that happiness is based on the outside. Godly fullness is a joy that transcends what's happening. Let, let, let me say it, let me say it like this, that a life of fullness is marked by the spirit of God and our faithfulness to Christ. This is where it's at, ladies and gentlemen. I heard of, um, uh, there was a place in Georgia a long time ago, and they, they, it, was a, it was like a Christian ranch. And they were trying to build bridges between, uh, for racial reconciliation, because slavery was like in its, at its height. And the Ku Klux Klan came one night, and they burnt down the whole place. And the owner was a white dude, and recognized one of the voices of the Klansmen. So the reporter shows up the next day, and it's his voice. So the reporter says, hey, what are you going to do, man? Like, like you're, you're, everything's gone. Everything's burned. And, and, and the, the gentleman was out there. He was shoveling. He was planting seeds. He was just shoveling. He was rebuilding. It's just been a day, and he burned everything. And, and then he just kept pushing and prodding. Finally, the man puts down his shovel, and he looks at him. He says, you must have us Christians misunderstood. We're not after successfulness. We're after faithfulness. And he went back to planting and sowing and watering. And so, so I think for us, listen, Paul was super successful. I mean, we're, we're talking about him right now. I don't know if he ever imagined, like Paul would be talked about in a worship service like this. You know, but I think Paul would have been like, I think he would have liked it. You know, I, I do. I think he would have been engaged in worship. <laughs> Little Paul up there, like jumping up. <laughs> I, th I think he would have been up here. I, I just, I, I believe that. Um, but we see, we see evidence 
of this. But Paul didn't see it at the time. He had a dream to preach in Rome, not be thrown in prison, not be beheaded in Rome. Like that wasn't the goal. But imagine how church history would have been different without the faithfulness of the apostle Paul. God could have used somebody else, but he chose to use Paul. And he was still faithful through through all of it. And so do I believe that God wants to bless you? Yes, I do. Do I believe that God wants to change outside circumstances? I do. Do I believe that God still does miracles? I do. We just sang about it today. We wouldn't sing a song that we didn't believe. And it doesn't exalt and glorify Jesus. So I believe all that stuff. But as a father, I also know that there are things that my kids need that in the moment is not going to give them happiness. And I need them to trust their father in that moment because the chief goal of the kingdom of God is not to make us happy. Even though there's a fullness of joy in his presence. The kingdom of God, listen, what is God trying to do? God is trying to establish his kingdom. The goal is that he establishes his kingdom in our hearts and in the world, in us and through us. That is the, that is the goal. And in that, there is a fullness of joy. In there, there is a godly fullness that transcends it. You could say with Paul, let's go. And I'm running out of time, so I got to go. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Where do we go from here? Like, what, what do we do? Well, Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, Paul is interceding. Paul is like, man, this has to happen in you. He says, I pray that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, if you look at this, it looks a little reversed. Remember Ephesians chapter 2 Paul said that we're not saved by our works so that nobody can boast. We are saved by grace through faith alone so that nobody can boast. And then what happens? We put our faith in Christ. The spirit of God comes in and dwells us. But here it looks a little bit different. right? I pray that you'd be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Because Paul right here is not talking about salvation. He's talking about sanctification. He's talking about, yes, Jesus, the presence of God, the spirit of God does dwell on the inside of you. But Paul is not talking about the fact of his dwelling, but the quality of it. Like, are you abiding in Christ? Have you made your home in him? And is, is, is our hearts a home that's fit for him? He's talking about sanctification. Now, I know that's a big word, so let me give you Westminster's catechism definition. It's great. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die into sin and live unto righteousness. It is a continuing change worked by God in us, freeing us from our sinful habits and forming us in Christ-like affections, dispositions, and virtues. You can take a picture. You can go back and read it. It's good. But sanctification is a real transformation, not just the appearance of one. The Spirit of God is interested in really transforming our lives, not just giving us this outer appearance. This word dwell that Paul uses here, um, he says to dwell in your hearts richly. It's, It's the Greek word that means to go down into, to go down into and to to dwell, to inhabit the house. But it has this, this, this notion to it. It's not just having somebody present in your home. It's they're at home like family. So, you know, you, know, you grow up. When I was growing up, my friend Carlos, go to his, his mom's house. She had the, this one room. They, they open up the front door. You walk in, and everything's white. Plastic on the couches. <laughs> Formal living room. Nobody lives there. Nobody touches that place. You walk in, you're like, yes, ma'am. And you go to the family room. And that's where you do life. That's where you're like, oh, you can like relax. And then you, when you're getting ready to leave, you walk past through that room again. You're like, man, don't touch anything. White carpets. 
So many of us have Jesus still in the entrance. He's still in the formal living room, but he's really not doing life with us. So Paul's like, I'm not talking about the fact does Christ dwell in you. I'm talking about the quality of his presence in and through our life. And the spirit of God is like, I want to empower you here more and more that, that, that he would dwell in your hearts, that he would make his home in your hearts through faith until the spirit has utter control over every part of our life. Are you with me on that? And so there was this man by the name of Robert Munger, and he talks about the Christian life as a home, as a house. And he says, the Lord goes from room to room, right? He'll go to the study and go into the library of the mind. And it's here where he finds trash and worthless things that he throws out and he replaces with his word. And then he makes his way to the dining room and he finds an appetite of sinful desires on the world's menu. And he sees prestige and materialism and lust and he comes in and he replaces it with humility, meekness and genuine love. And so he goes on to say how the Lord just peruses through, through every room. He goes into the living room where there's fellowship and he sees worldly companions and activities. And he's like, listen, I want you to engage the world, but it's not like this. I want to give you a fresh vision. You're doing a lot of, a lot of things, but I got some great mission in mind for you. He goes into the workshop and all he finds is toys being made. Just toys to entertain, to you know, occupy our time. And then he gets to the closet. He goes into the closet. And this is where hidden sins are kept. As he navigates through. And what is he doing? He's just cleaning house. That's why the Apostle Paul said, he said, do not, now that you are a new creation in Christ, do no, no longer be conformed to the patterns of this world in light of all that he's done. But be transformed. Let him into every room by the renewing of your mind so that you would be able to know and test and approve what God's will is for your life. You're his good, perfect, and pleasing will. What, what, what Paul is saying is, listen, you, let, let him make your home in every room because it's then that the Lord is like, yes, I am at home. And you're like, God, I don't want you to touch that closet. There's so much less. And he says, I have immeasurably more. Let me in. No, not that room. You're going to be disappointed with me. I have immeasurably more for your less. Let me in. Let me in. And the Spirit of God says, I want to make you, I want to make you more and more faithful. That there's a continual faithfulness in our life where he is Lord over every room. Over every room, every crevice, every cranny, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And Paul said, when that happens, Paul said, oh man, you're going to experience something that, that's so incredible. He says, you're going to be strengthened in your inner being and, and, and Christ is going to dwell in your hearts through faith. He's going to make his home there. It's going to impact everything in your life that this faith is going to produce an assurance that produces a conviction that changes everything about the house. And he says, you're going to be rooted and established in love. Like it's going to change. You're going to experience my love for you in a greater way. Your love for one another is going to change everything. So even in moments of less, you have immeasurably more. 
And he says this, he says, this surpasses, this love that surpasses knowledge. Some of you guys need a greater revelation of his love for you. That's why it's so hard for you to love other people. Because you just don't see how much he loves you. It's the mark of faithfulness. Oh, it's, it's liberating, it's freedom. He said it's deep, it's high, it's long. He says it surpasses knowledge, but I want to give you understanding. And then he says that leads that you will be full, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. But you got to let him in know. He's got to be Lord over every area. Every area, John MacArthur says it this way. He says, he cannot be fully at home until he's allowed to dwell in our hearts through the continuing faith that trusts him to exercise his lordship over every aspect of our life. Why was Paul full? Because this was a reality. Paul said, I learned the secret. But I'm just a man, you can learn too. So I pray, like Paul prayed, I pray the same thing just as Paul prayed that out of your glorious riches Lord that you may strengthen our church with your power through your spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith as Lord over all that we might walk in a fullness in immeasurably emptiness let me pray for you will you stand to your feet Lord I thank you I thank you God just ask right now, Lord, that do me a favor. Just, we're almost done. I'm going to let you out super quick. Bow your heads. Just ask the Lord. Invite the Holy Spirit. Just ask the Lord, what chamber, what room do I need to let you in? Maybe you already know. Maybe you just need to invite him in right now, this moment. Say, Lord, this area, this closet door has been closed. But clean house today, Lord. Secret sins, no more not doing that anymore. I need you to heal me and restore me and forgive me and wash me and renew me. Maybe there's just been access to different areas. You're not doing life with him. Just ask the Holy Spirit right now. And then I'm going to ask you to do something bold. After service, if you need to surrender your life to Jesus, like that's the first step of confessing him is the Lord over your life. You've never done that. Or maybe you've been in church and it's just been fake. And you know it has. But you need to surrender your life to Jesus today. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and let us pray for you down here. Maybe you're in a season of immeasurably less. Can we pray that God would do immeasurably more with you? You know, one of the things that he says in this chapter that, or in this passage that I really want you to look at is he says this. Look at, I, I want you to have the power together with all the Lord's holy people. I mean, you're not supposed to do life alone. We're supposed to do this together. So let us encourage you. Let us pray with you and for you. Let us lay hands on you and pray that God would do immeasurably more, more than you could ask, think, or even imagine on the inside of you in the midst of all of this. So we're going to pray that God does a miracle. We're going to pray whatever that the, the request is that you need. We're going to pray. We're going to pray, and we're going to believe God to move. So Lord, seal this in our hearts today. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. 
Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love Him deeply, and follow Him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.